I'm Megan Lawrence, and welcome to the Wild Leaders Podcast. Wild stands for Whole and Intentional Leader Development, and in this episode, you'll be listening to one of our Wild Conversations. Wild Conversations are interactive virtual experiences every Friday for one hour with leaders from around the country. It's no cost to join or attend, and you can sign up by visiting wildleaders.org backslash wildconversation. You can also listen on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please follow us and subscribe. Wild Conversations are led by our founder and CEO, Dr. Rob McKenna. Named one of the top 30 IO psychologists alive today, Dr. McKenna is passionate about developing leaders and transforming the way we see people in our organizations. As he will tell you, we have the tools at our fingertips to invest in our people in ways that are meaningful to them and will get the results we need. 30 years of research has taught us how much people learn and grow on the job. We have what it takes to create rich learning environments for the people we lead, and all we have to do is begin to act on what we know. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. This topic and this series, we called it the Half-Truth Series because there are so many topics that are being talked about in our world, being thrown around, especially with regard to uh, the whole area of leader or leadership. And, uh, and so we're not here to debunk anything. I'm not, I'm not even qualified to do that, I would say. But what I am here to do is to, to uh, prompt a conversation maybe that gets into the, the complexity that's so oftentimes overlooked in these topics and these things get thrown around. I, I would say that it actually it can be quite reckless to throw things around without a, a better understanding of what we're talking about, or at least a conversation about what we're talking about. And this is, this is my conviction right now in this moment related to this content uh, around vulnerability. I don't know if it's more, a more important time or not. I don't, I don't know if that's true. People are saying all these things about what this current moment in our world is like. Um, I don't know if things are any better than they've been. I don't know if they're any worse than they have been. Um, I know we're in a, definitely in a season of change. I know we're in a season where we're experiencing something personally that is extremely challenging for so many of us in leader roles. Um, but I do believe this to my core, that deep-seated leader preparation for this moment and a more whole conversation about this is absolutely critical if we're to do a better job of preparing the next generation of leaders and ourselves for what, for the storm that's coming, um, regardless of what the world does, the storm was always coming. And I think the moment is now where we actually, uh, I, I did the power, I think of even in this group of leaders who are here is so profound. And so this is something that is, is really, really important to us. Um, and I also suggest that, that whole leader development can never be simplified into pithy one-off solutions. And I just, all my point is this, is that we got to be just as intentional as we think about what it means to prepare a leader for the reality of their world that we would treat if we were preparing someone else to go into some of the most challenging, very real challenging spaces in our world. And so that's what, this is why this is so critical and important to me because also that there are so many leaders who are hurting right now. I got to tell you, this concept of vulnerability is very personal to me, also in this moment. Some of you know that, uh, uh, I don't know how long ago was it, was, was say Friday, so a week ago Thursday, that I took my son to his freshman year in college, and I took him to the dorm, and the day before, I was a wreck. Things like, there were certain, I'd been fine, like high school graduation was kind of a miss, because there was no uh, face-to-face graduation, I didn't feel any of that, 
when it got to the, this is a week ago, Wednesday, I was experiencing moments where I was, I went in the bathroom because I was, I just, I was weeping, like openly weeping and not really knowing exactly what's going on. But here was the thing that was going on in my mind was I was thinking to myself, the reason why I was in the bathroom with the door locked was because I wasn't sure whether I, he should see me or not. One thing I would just beg of you, my friends, is, is don't tell me, don't give me advice right now. Like, I don't need you to tell me like, oh, it's good. It would be good for him. I don't need to hear that. I kind of need to hear I get it, Rob, because there's a chance that my tears actually could put fear in him. But there's also the reality that I also didn't want to be the dad who didn't show his emotion in front of my son. And he knows I cry. I'm a crier sometimes. And so I think this, I was experiencing this very real tension about vulnerability that I was thinking about his sake and my sake in the same moment. And so I'm just, I, it's something we experience all the time. I experience it as a leader in different, all the different leadership roles I've had in dealing with this issue of vulnerability. So I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to read you. I, I hope this is okay, but I'm going to read you a, a couple of sections from, um, the the next book just let me if you go allow me to do that because when i reread this over this last week i was thinking you know what i'm just going to read it because it says it better than i will remember to say it if i say it without reading and here's one thing i want to mention before i do this is is that um keep this in mind whenever whenever we're talking about leaders there are always at least two kinds that we're talking about there's probably a thousand kinds by the way but when it comes to certain sort of uh, paradoxes, there are at least two kinds. And so keep that in mind. There are those who are reluctant. This is one of those paradoxes. There are those that are reluctant and there are those who are not. And so please, as I read this, know that in many ways, part of our goal at Wild Leaders certainly would be to call out those who are not, like that have no hesitation. They're just bold all the time. We do a lot of work with those kinds of leaders. They have to be leaders who are willing to edit from that space. But we also have a deep drive to, to our mission is to develop and prepare a generation of courageous and sacrificial leaders. And many of the people who bring that, that moment with them really struggle and have a reluctance about leading at that next, in that next phase. So, uh, so hear that. I hope you hear that nuance of what I'm going to read. So let me just read this to you. Just allow me to do this, I hope. Claire's going to try to take, put some notes in here uh, regarding this, but here we go. All right. I got to put on my glasses. That's the moment. All right. Um, if you have ever felt the magical and transcendent moment in any meeting, when someone shares something that is obviously challenging to share, we need it so desperately to ground our reality and humanity. We are drawn in herds to anyone who opens the door to their own pain and suffering, we relate to it. Our souls long for someone who will remind us we are not alone, especially the most surprising people who, on the outside, appear to have it all together. These moments where someone has the courage to lift the veil that so many keep firmly in place, these moments are so powerful. And raising vulnerability as a one-size-fits-all solution is only half the story. What was interesting is I wrote half the story long before we named this series, Daniel. You know, it's like it's half the story. So let me go a little further. And here's what's interesting is defining the term. What are we actually talking about? So here I go. Let's see if I said anything that <laughs> helps us out. Vulnerability is quite literally an openness to being hurt. That's the definition. 
Vulnerability is not the same as connection, although it may be necessary to create it. Using vulnerability as a pathway to relationships with a discounted definition of its costs ignores the reality that there could be very real consequences for opening ourselves up in every situation. I am not for a moment questioning the power of increasing levels of vulnerability and the courage it takes to bring it. But I am suggesting that in our broken world, opening ourselves to the possibility of hurt should be approached with thoughtfulness and care. Vulnerability isn't just an openness to being hurt. Oh boy, I'm, that's, I didn't write that. <laughs> I just saw the next line. Even more frightening is the openness to being misunderstood. And it happens so quickly. When we played the game of telephone as kids, it didn't take 20 iterations to screw up the message. It usually took one. Imagine how quickly our story gets distorted when we share even the smallest part of it. Vulnerability may be key to our understanding of each other, but what it opens is more like a dynamic and moving maze than it is like a hallway. I gotta keep going, if that's all right. Okay, I'm just, I'm looking, Wanda, am I, can I, are you good? <laughs> Give me a thumb, okay, oh, sorry. It's, a, it's a, a visual amen. All right, here we go. When we produce developmental solutions or answers to our deepest questions that are based on a reality of hurt and brokenness, so listen to this, like I'm trying to unpack what I was describing as I reread this, but assume we are interacting with a well-intentioned and complete world around us, we miss the reality that relationships with others are the keys eh, to both our redemption and to our misery. But, please hear this, I have faith that there is hope. It is some powerful combination of thoughtfulness, intention, sacrifice, vulnerability, courage, humility, and a willingness to edit that is likely the solution to our search for a better version of ourselves. When our character is defined by our value as being more or less than others, vulnerability becomes obsolete. And humility is almost, it's almost always included in discussions related to character, but it is rarely defined or described for the true controversy it raises. We use humility and vulnerability interchangeably to describe character, but they function in different ways inside of each of us. We know character when we see it, we appreciate vulnerability when we experience it, and we are drawn to humility when others show it. They are each distinct and interdependent and not necessarily rewarded by our culture. We're gonna unpack some of those other words later and different in, in weeks to come, but they're not necessarily rewarded by our culture. And when they are, they are oversimplified. When we use them interchangeably without discerning the difference between them, we fail to see the specific things we might need to change in ourselves or encourage in others. It no longer makes sense in our world's model of success and elevation because by its very nature, it requires a descent, an intentional decision to lower ourselves. Here we go. Because while ascent may be the catalyst for success, descent is the catalyst for growth. 
the cultural paradigm of upward movement is based on the fundamental set of assumptions that define the primary developmental objective as better performance. If I'm doing better, both feeling better and doing better than others, I'm succeeding. And by default, I'm ascending. In contrast, a lowering or humbling of oneself is based on the primary objective of remaining in the process of becoming a better version of myself for my own sake and for the sake of others. The challenge is that it is easier to define ourselves by upward movement, movement even when we may only have a 50-50 chance of succeeding. There is no guarantee of success. While descent doesn't guarantee growth, it certainly doesn't leave the advancement of our character to chance. It opens up pathways to a deeper sense of contribution, calling, purpose, and even love. Descent into our character requires an openness to the possibility that we may need to change, and that change will likely require a new level of vulnerability. And I want to, so I, what I was trying to say here, y'all, is this, like if transparency, we're going to talk about later, is is showing it all. These are extremes I'm going to give you. Authenticity is being the real you. If humility is a posture, vulnerability is the state, is the state of being wide open to being hurt. And, I, uh, and one of the things about that, that's why I think we have to be careful how we use this. I think of, when we talk about leaders, I think about, uh, I always think about a castle. I don't know why, but I think about a, like a castle. And I know there's all, all kinds of things about castles. It depends on who's using the castle. But when we build castles, in the middle of a kingdom, in the middle of a community, there's this, this constant tension between building a place that is both vulnerable and protected, that has permeability and, and the opportunity to open all the gates and let everyone in, let open the markets, and at the same time, when it's attacked, to lock itself down. Like, that, that's, the, that's the reality, right? That's what leaders face all the time. Um, and so I think a real conversation about vulnerability is an openness to this conversation that says, this is quite literally asking us to be open to the possibility people will hurt, hurt us with whatever we share. Um, so I'm going to read one more part of text. I hope the reading isn't annoying. I just, I'm, I think I'm better at reading what I wrote sometimes than thinking what I'm thinking. So this is the last part. And then I'm going to give you some handholds maybe. Um, Vulnerability isn't the most courageous move. It's opening yourself to the possibility of being misunderstood that is the real deal. If vulnerability is the catalyst for mutual understanding, trust and change, being misunderstood is the curse we run from when it gets real. Why do we care so much about being misunderstood even more than we care about being understood? <laughs> Maybe that's just me. What is it about our character as human beings that care so much that others get us right as we want them to perceive us or for who we really are? There's something true about our character that, that wants to control our narrative, especially as it relates to how others read into our story. The double-edged sort of vulnerability is that it opens the first chapter of the book, but the reader writes the rest. What would it take for us to more frequently open ourselves up and more effectively manage the pressure to control where things go next? It probably requires us to understand vulnerability a little better and to be extremely thoughtful when we ask leaders or others around us or ourselves to come out. 
I had a, uh, as I, as I, as I give, I want to give you some things that I would say, suggest, these are my suggestion, suggestions for architecting spaces where people may be able to bring choice around vulnerability. That's, that's one of the things I want to finish with, but I want to tell you very quickly, I, I met with a leader. Some of you have been a part of the wild conversation on lots of Fridays. I, uh, and I met with a leader just a few days ago, and this is just a profound voice in my life. Guy's 82 and uh, sharp and has had this amazing experience at national levels. He's um, been an advisor to presidents, and I'm in this conversation, and I told he said, what is it that's, that's paining your heart right now with what you all are doing? And I said, the, the hurt that, pe that leaders are facing and experiencing is so deep right now. And the, the hope that they're experiencing at the same time is so deep. And this is what he said to me. He looked at me and he goes, how do you know that? And, and I said, because they tell us. And they're telling each other every week. And he's like, how? he goes, I've been to dozens and dozens and dozens of conference with thousands of people talking about things like this and no one shares. And what I told him was we're, we're attempting to architect spaces together with this amazing group of leaders from around the world where they could just open the door and make choices about what they share. And some, and it's actually working. And he was just kind of baffled. He's, you know, he's like, I just never, I, I, that question, how do you know that? And you all have seen it together. Like it's crazy. So as we think about architect, architecting these kinds of spaces, and now the book reading was kind of, I don't know, there's depth in that and there's things to unpack, but let me give you some ideas because one, one thing I thought of immediately was the architecture of the wild conversation. And so here will be some of my thoughts and then you'll have better thoughts. But these are, these are kind of tips for the conversation for architecting spaces where vulnerability, where we, where we, where we architect for vulnerability um, and for thoughtfulness and for choice. So one thing is that this is point A, Claire, right? So one thing is that I think intention is required. Our team talks about this a lot. Um, knowing that, that, what, that, that intention around what you're trying to do, and this is what you're trying to create thoughtfully now, not just to get people share it all, but that intention is required. Um, and I think that it's, it's, a, it's an intentional invitation to make a choice. Uh, the second thing is that it's about modeling what we hope to invite others to. I am so exhausted. I'm, I'm not saying it isn't, wrong, isn't right sometimes, but I'm exhausted by people complaining about leaders where it's pretty obvious that they're not living what they're complaining about. I'm just, it exhausts me. And I, I, if we're going to point the finger, we have to start with us. <laughs> like we have to start with us. The, the third thing is this, is that this is kind of the business side of it. Like con, what, I, what I labeled it is the first one's intention, modeling. The third one is, is, is that contracting is huge. Do you know that when, we, when Daniel gives the rules of engagement at the beginning, that's on purpose. Because we want everyone who comes into this conversation with all of you. I know there's people here today who are very intimidated by you. And you're going to be like, me? And I'm like, yes, you. Because they told me that. And I'm telling you, I want them to feel like this is a place where they could open up and feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Everything that we do, even the possibility of sharing screens, we give you a choice. You don't have to. And if you don't, that doesn't make you a bad person. But we want to, we want to introduce the possibility that you would be vulnerable simply by sharing your screen. You know, some of us might pick our nose when we forget that we're on the screen. That's, that's, it's a risk. Um, and then the last thing is that scaffolding is huge. Scaffolding plays a role. We, 
This is why we design a process and a system of, of tools that create a language because the, it's, it's a lot to, to figure out. So having a common language for development really does matter. And so that's one of the things, the scaffolding and intention and the contracting are, are important points of this. Next is our spotlight from our live and interactive wild conversation. This is an interview with one of the leaders who was on the call for this topic, and we think you'll really enjoy their insights. Thanks for listening. Hey, um, I would love to hear first, could you just tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, and give some context. And then I, I know you put a couple things in chat, but I'd love to hear from you either in the conversation you just had or something that was shared, what was worth paying attention to for you personally in this moment as you lead? Thanks. Thanks. Um, uh, Kristen Anderson, uh, I recently joined World Vision International as their chief people officer. I joined almost a year ago in October um, after 20 plus years in the tech sector with Microsoft and Citrix systems. So a massive change in terms of uh, environment, culture, uh, and leadership opportunities, but it's been absolutely fantastic. I had five months on the road to meet people and try to build relationships and trust before COVID hit. And you can imagine running running HR for a 38,000 person organization, humanitarians who want to run into crisis. It has been an incredible challenge uh, the last six, seven months, but, uh, but it's, been, it's been absolutely the greatest move I ever made. I would say uh, from the conversation we had, I met some great people. In fact, we have connections. Uh, James and I have a, a, a mutual person in our lives together, which is fun to, to make that connection. But uh, something he said that I think is, is really true, you know, building that trust and having that foundation allows for healthy vulnerability. And again, I think we've talked a lot about um, balancing it, not just being vulnerable to overshare potentially, uh, but to use it in ways that builds authentic relationship, allows for shared goals and shared commitments. Um, but I have learned through COVID that if I'm not willing to say to my top 150 leaders, I'm really struggling right now, this COVID situation is unprecedented. And I, and I, I don't know, I wake up mornings and try to think, what, what should, how should I be leading right now? Um, if I don't do that and I can't role model that, then it doesn't allow for those people to also have those honest reflections in terms of their leadership. So th this topic is so timely. Well done, you guys. Um, really, really just appreciate the time to be together. Uh, no, thank you, Kristen. You know, I mean, as you described that too, it made me curious with the context you have. What is the current opportunity and challenge for you when it comes to vulnerability? The, well, the opportunity is just, you know, again, with a large scale organization, how do you create forums to be able to share authentically and vulnerably across a large section of leaders? Um, and I wouldn't say World Vision is, is, uh, has great digital dexterity, so trying to find ways to do that has been, has been a challenge when you're remote. Zoom can be difficult in terms of that. Uh, but I think we're finding lots of ways uh, to bridge those gaps. Um, sorry, and the second question was yeah, the the opportunity, and the challenge, and they could be wrapped up together. Yeah, I think they're I think they are I think I think they are wrapped up together. But I I do I think there's an uncertainty that lies ahead, and uh, I certainly have had this conversation with the executive team. We have no idea what October, November, December is going to wow. bring for the planet, and so I think we really have to dig deep and think, you know, how do I prepare for what comes ahead? Because I do think we have a few more bow waves to, to, to weather. And, uh, you know, I think if you can get yourself 
for me, it's getting the right infrastructure of people close to me that I can lean on during this time from a leadership perspective uh, and just and just be ready for what comes ahead. Um, uh, we'll have a lot more resiliency. We've, we've talked a lot about resiliency and I think we gain resiliency as we're vulnerable and we create trusting groups around us as well. That's awesome. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. If you'd like to learn more about wild leaders, visit us at wildleaders.org. If you want to purchase the wild toolkit, visit wildtoolkit.com. If you'd like to join the interactive live recording with other leaders, sign up at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation. I'm Megan Lawrence. Have a great day.